we were, yesterday we had this major, we had this major insight about spirituality, which was very counterintuitive. The wannabe convert approaches Hilal Hazakein, this great sage, and says to him, teach me the whole Torah on one foot. And my thought, if someone came and asked me the question, initially would be, I'm going to teach them something about spirituality, something about God, something about the mitzvot, there's 613 of them, something about an articulation of our spiritual system. Instead, Hillel says, I'll tell you what you do. If, it, if you don't like, you like, if you do not like people doing that to you, don't do that to them. Which seems to be compassion, empathy, seeing the other. Seeing the other. Okay, that's great. And if he asked me for good social behavioral patterns, I would say, yeah. But that's Kolator Kula, and he says, that's Kolator Kula. That's the entire Torah. That's the entire Torah. The rest is an explanation of it. It's an explanation of it. And yesterday we discussed how am I tzitzit, my Shabbos, my Tfilin, how is it an explanation of seeing another person? What we, the Maral allowed us to understand was a fundamental and profound idea. As long as we remain bound by the smallness of our ego-driven lives, thinking about ourselves, we create a sense of alienation from others, but more than that, we create ourselves almost as an, in an enclosed capsule which prevents us from going beyond the narrow parameters of our beings and we are automatically excluded from reaching any kind of universal truth. The pathway to universal truth, to understanding that which is beyond the narrow confines of my self-invented reality is the capacity to see the needs of another. Feel connected. Feel profoundly one with the people around me. There is a huge awakening, desire and urge for people to experiment psychedelics. And it seems to be that a pretty uniform experience of the beauty or the inspirational component of psychedelics is a person will feel stripped of their ego. They'll feel they can just connect to other people. The little things don't make any difference. Translate that into the language of spirituality. It means when I'm in that state, I see the other so clearly, there's no way I'll do to them what I wouldn't want done to myself. I feel an unbridled love and connection towards them. In other words, the spiritual experience is inextricably linked with the social experience. The feeling of connection to the other human becomes synonymous with an experience of God. Because the automatic consequence of the removal of the ego, which is a prerequisite 
for healthy social cohesion, for me to see the other and not to see, see a reflection of myself, opens up the human psyche to experiencing a completely different dimension of the world. And in that dimension, there is no disunity. In that dimension, as I connect with everyone around me, I also connect with everything around me. And then I realize there's a oneness and a unity. And that's another way of saying a higher power, a creator, or God. So if you want to tell me how to get to God, I'll tell you, well, it depends on how you treat the people around you. And if you want to have that ultimate psychedelic experience, and you don't have the cash for LSD, or you don't want to take the risk, or you feel that there are other slight drawbacks to drug addiction, (laughs) if you want to do that, the best way of doing that is let's rethink how we negotiate our relationships, how we relate to people and how we relate to ourselves. And whoa, that's, that's huge. Then my spiritual journey starts off with a rethinking of how I see all the people around me. And now I have to go on a search. And let me go looking. So what am I going to go look for inside of myself and inside of others? Well, I'm going to look for that, that, that beautiful self. I'm going to look for the self stripped of the ego. And what is the ego? The ego is an acronym for edge God out. It means that when I become the central point of the universe and everything else has to revolve around me, the story in my head is looked upon as the reality that everyone has to comply to. And when I can let go of that, so then I realize, no, 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 I'm a part, I'm not the whole. And it's so liberating. And ironically, when I recognize that I'm part, not the whole, then I become part of the whole. I become, have a sense of belonging, sense of being grounded, sense of unity, sense of connection. When I am the whole, I may be the whole, but I'm completely alienated from everyone and everything around me. It all goes back to this inner exploration. This powerful instruction that Hashem says to Avram, Lech Lecha, go to you. Where am I going to go? Go to you. Go to you. Where's the starting point of the spiritual experience begin? It begins with inside of ourselves. So how do we do this? How do we strip away the ego? How do we get the euphoric experience of ultimate connection without injecting, swallowing, or sniffing. How do we do it? I I don't know. (laughs) But let's start to think. The way the morale says it is that the point of connection is the transcendent part, the, the higher part of me, the, the, the part of me which, which is not the little things. And it's so interesting how we have an intuitive awareness of what's a little thing and what's a big thing. We realize that if someone spills my coffee, that's a little thing. We realize if someone's in trouble and I rescue them, that's, that's a big thing. We, we have an intuitive awareness of what's little and what's big. 
So let's go, go into that. So someone spills my coffee. That's, if that's, if that's the thing that bothers me, it means a little thing is bothering me. Now, why would someone spilling my coffee bother me? Well, I'll tell you why. I like coffee. I like the coffee in my cup. And I like to drink it at the temperature that it's presently at. And now that it's descended upon the floor, it's not so convenient for me. Because um, I have no coffee. The temperature has descended somewhat as it hit the floor. And even if I would lick it up like a dog, it wouldn't be quite the same experience. And now I probably have to involve myself in some kind of cleanliness operation to get it off and then go refill the coffee. So what part of me, what part of me is experiencing the coffee spilled tragedy? The part of me that says, I want coffee. It's quite a, it's not such a high elevated part. In that part, in the midst of the coffee operation, there could be another part that's there. The part that thinks about how the person who spilled my coffee is feeling. And that part could say to me, whoa, this guy probably feels really bad. How should I help him feel better? Well, probably by saying like, you idiot, why did you spill my coffee? It's not going to work. That's not going to work. That's, that's the small stuff, isn't it? But what happens if I say to him, not, not like passively, aggressively or or politely, but it's sincerely. Like, what a shame, man. What is, this guy's feeling horrible. Don't, literally, don't worry. Literally, it, I'm cool. I'll get another cup of coffee. I'm just, I'm sure, oh, I hope you didn't mess up your pants. Don't worry, it's all taken care of. Because at that point in time, I want his happiness more than I want the coffee. Because that's where it's at. Boom, connection. Boom, connection. But in order for that connection to occur, I have to differentiate between the small self and the big self. The inner and the outer. The desire for coffee and the desire for unity. There's a seemingly completely out of whack piece of spiritual guidance offered to us by the Talmud. Mutav shiyapil atzmoi lekivshan shel eish v'al yalbin pnei chaveri berabim. For those of you not familiar with Hebrew. It's better to throw myself into a fiery furnace than to embarrass someone else in the front of other pe- in front of other people. Literally, meaning like this: I could. Someone says to me, um, "If you don't reveal some embarrassing detail about him, I'm about to throw you into this furnace." So you have to say to yourself, ooh, okay, it's going to be a sauna. <laughs> that seems to be, seems to be, in fact, in fact, there's a halakhic discussion how far this goes. If that literally happens, a person puts your, a gun to your head and said, either you embarrass that person or I kill you, there's a discussion whether you have to give up your life for that. Which means, that another person's honor, 
another person's um, saving face, the respect that I hold them in, the care that I take of them, is on such an elevated degree that the inherent opposite of that, which is a belittling of the person, embarrassing them, not taking them seriously, saying that they're is undermining fundamentally to the degree that maybe, if that's, it's better to give a, there, there's three fundamental cardinal sins that a person should give up his life for. Murder. Someone says, if you murder that guy, I'll kill him or I'll kill you. You have to give up your life. Adultery. Have an adulterous affair where I kill you. Give, give up your life. Idolatry. Distort the notion of a unified existence and give credence to a false power. In other words, there are certain boundaries, there are certain red lines that we can't cross. When you cross that red line, essentially what you're saying is there's a certain point in living where I have to acknowledge that there's something larger than my life itself. My life is not the ultimate commodity. There's something bigger than me. And if I'm willing to compromise every single value I have to preserve my life, it means there's nothing bigger than me. One of the best things of asking a person if they have meaning in life is ask them, is there anything that they'll be willing to die for? Because meaning is always something which it carries beyond the experience of my own existence. Which means it's higher than me, it's more important. So if I'm not willing to give up my life for anything... It's a synonym to saying, well, my life is not worth anything. So now there are three cardinal sins which living is less important. In other words, these are larger than life. The one is, if I fundamentally destroy the entire basis of my spiritual system and deny the existence of that force, that's called idolatry. No, no, no. My own spiritual capacity and awareness that there's a higher power in this world is more that's bigger than my life. Fidelity. Protecting another person and not breaking the boundary of ripping apart a relationship of a married woman. That is a, is a red line that you can't cross. When, when, you, when you undermine the sanctity of that relationship and you intervene into that intimacy, that's, no, no. That's higher than my life. That's way higher than my life. And finally, another person's life. Taking it is higher than my life. The protection of another is higher than the actual purpose of living itself. There's something beyond it. But what about embarrassing a person? So those opinions that suggests that embarrassing a person is something you need to give up your life for is because in that moment of embarrassing, people would often say, I wished I was dead. It's like taking a life. So even embarrassment is a pseudo-murder. Embarrassing a person is pseudo-murder. And therefore, if pseudo-murder, well, maybe it's larger than my life. In other words, the other person's honor and respect, their life in its true sense is is something that I have to sacrifice myself for. So now this is a 
Very easily said. Very easily said. Very hardly done. How do you do it? How do you do it? How do you not fall into you spilled my coffee, you fool, syndrome? I do believe it begins with a complete revamp of uh, a revamp of our own perspective of ourselves. If I look at myself in a way that's pretty mundane and I don't appreciate the infinite greatness within, so then I won't really have the capacity to perceive that in other people. Because I need to have an internal experience to then perceive it externally. Just like I need to know a language to, I need to know the language itself if I want to hear and understand when other people are speaking it. I need to have, if I've never experienced the emotion that someone else has experienced, I can't really register. I can't, I can't vibrate at the same frequency. If I've never seen my own personal greatness, I can't see yours. So the first step in developing a platform for spiritual growth, which is really developing healthy relationships where I can give the other ultimate respect, see their world with clarity and honor, is diving, deep diving inside. And what does that consist of? It's almost like it consists of going on a seek and find mission to spot the greatness. I have to go on a seek and find mission inside of myself, looking for the greatness as it pierces through the shell of myself. So what kind of greatness should I look at? Well, let me see. Do I have compassion in my life? Am I compassionate? So when I think about my life, have I ever cried over someone else's misery? And I think if I ask that question, there's every single one of us has at some time, some point in our life, being moved by someone else's misery. So I have compassion. I have compassion. Have I ever rejoiced when someone else has been happy? Sure. Excited. Someone, I know someone who got engaged yesterday. I literally almost jumped for joy. But the ceiling was low and I was scared that I would <laughs> lacerate my gigantic forehead. <laughs> And inhibit people from using it as a screen, the laceration along it. We've experienced. So now I'm going to go on. I'm going to go on on an an exploration of self and look for when does my greater self shine through? Have I ever felt like I want to give up and persevered? Have I ever felt a strong, strong pull, a desire, and held back? And the answer to all these questions for all of us will be yes, yes, yes. Which means we've all seen the greatness of self piercing through the external shell. Keep on looking, keep on looking. And then start to assemble and weave together all those parts to build up a portrait of the greater self. To look inside and understand and then I come, and then do you know what's going to happen? I'll start to see those things in other people as well. And I'll start to spot it. And I'll start to feel, whoa, what a privilege, what a joy to be seated amongst people of such greatness and grandeur. 
and then I'll be driven to respect, to honor. I'll be bound to connect and to overcome the little... Come on. The petty things will become petty. And therefore, we really, if you want to grow spiritually, we need to know ourselves, but know the greater part of ourselves, the higher self, and know that higher self well. And you could start early in the morning. You're in bed and you're tired. And your body says, Mm-mm, I'm staying here, baby. I'm staying here. And then you think to yourself, one second, but there's stuff that I've got to do. Stuff, and you get out of bed. Boom! Triumph of spirit over self. And then someone does something and you just want to pass that snide remark and seal your lips and whoa, power. Until you start to become very familiar with the internal greatness. And then you start to see why. And then you see it and you see it. You see, you see your, someone else and you say, whoa, it's amazing how they, they sit there and they just focus. It must be, and then you appreciate them. And then you build your respect for relationships with other people. And I think that's, that's way harder than psychedelics. But it gives you the same kind of trip with, with, with a few upsides. It never ends. It's like the, the ultimate never-ending high. And is real. came from inside. But it's hard work. But it's good. And you get glimpses. Imagine if you could, imagine if you could reproduce that euphoria through a process of internal work. Even in this moment, just for, for just for a second, look around the room and feel the greatness of the people around you. How many struggles they've overcome. How many challenges they've won. And yourself. And feel pretty good to be here. Pretty good to be sharing the space with this level of greatness. Trying to make that our default is the goal of spirituality and everything else in the Torah are just ways of getting there.